0: Welcome back, this is episode 29. We are gonna be talking all about emotional regulation. Emotional regulation is important for everyone but the most important thing is figuring out how to control your emotions so that you don't take them out on your kids or your coworkers or others. A lot of the issue that parents deal with is that they were never taught how to regulate their own emotions. So when their children have big emotions, they don't know how to respond. They react usually in a way of what was, how were they treated? So for example, if you were always told, Stop crying, don't cry, there's nothing to cry about. It, you know, it wasn't a safe place for you to feel your feelings. You weren't taught how to regulate that. You were just taught to shove it inside, to go somewhere else. And that usually makes us feel a certain kind of way, and it usually explodes. For the neurospicy individual, and maybe for everyone, I feel like there's a lot of trauma here. I feel like healing is actually the way to achieve emotional regulation. Yes, go back to the last episode. We talked about things that you can do when, it, when the train is going on the tracks and it's starting to pick up speed. But the biggest thing you can do is to figure out where the reactions are coming from where the big feelings of your own are coming from because a lot of the times here's what i'm realizing is that most of it isn't even mine it's not even mine a lot of the ways that i was reacting and responding to my kids was what was done to me and so i fir- i remember when i first started getting becoming aware of this it almost stopped me dead in my tracks and now it is become second nature I don't have to stop necessarily and think about it sometimes I do depending on the situation if it's like brand spanking new I pause I go back and I think did anything like this ever happen to me okay how did the adults and how did people around me respond and react how did that feel What were the things that I said to myself? Because I said things to myself all the time, like I will never do this and I will listen to my kids and I will care what they have to say because I never felt heard. I was disciplined. I was punished. Those things don't actually help us learn. Those things don't actually teach us anything. If they taught me anything, it's that I couldn't do anything right. I was a bad kid. I was a bad daughter. I was always in trouble. I was always the problem. That's what it taught me. A lot of times we get set in thinking that things should be one way, our way, particularly NeuroSpicy, but adults in general, because we have this idea that since we made these children, since we are adults, we know better. We know all the things, but We don't. I am still learning all the time. My girls are teaching me all the time. And I don't ever want to take the role or the position that I always know best. I may know best, or I may think I know what's best, but every situation is different. And I'll tell you this too. Don't minimize your child's experiences. I understand that you've had decades of wisdom and life under your belt, and it's very easy for you to say something like, oh, that doesn't matter when your child tells you about an incident that happened at school or an argument between a friend. And in the big scheme of things in your eyes, in your world, it might not seem like anything. But I guarantee if it's worth your kid mentioning it to you, It's not nothing for them, it's something. And so see that something just as they do. I'm sorry, that must've been really hard. Like those things don't require that much effort. It requires awareness and consciously choosing to do things differently. I feel like this is the episode for adults the last episode was really helpful for kids, but there is so much trauma that is resurfacing anytime our kids do anything that is not what we want them to be doing, could feel embarrassing or that we are responsible for their behavior. They're kids and if the older generation still living in that under that umbrella that your kids are a representation of you. I'm sorry, my kids are individuals. And yes, I am teaching them to be good, compassionate humans, but they have big emotions and big feelings and they can't always control when they hit. I try not to minimize my daughter's feelings for my comfort. There was a situation that I reminded my daughter of something that we had to do and It is not something that she wants to do. We have to get some blood work, and she is terrified of needles. And she was practically hyperventilating in the backseat, full-on blown. Her train is off the tracks, and here's what I did. I told her that I was sorry, that I loved her, that I would be there with her. I know this is really hard, and I know you're really upset. I don't like to see you upset, but I'm not going to tell you that you have to hide your feelings for my comfort. So if you need to be upset right now, you'd be upset. And anything I say is only to comfort you in that moment. And sometimes the things that I say, I think maybe too much, but she gets the point. I will say this too. Anytime I do something like that, I am doing it for myself just as much as I'm doing it for her. And this is emotional regulation. When you think about how you respond, particularly when your kids are emotionally dysregulated, when your kids are having big feelings, how do you respond? How do you react? Are you able to find your calm and center and be that calm, safe place for them? Or do you react or retaliate the way someone did it to you? And I think that is step one is realizing how we are reacting and responding. Because a lot of times something is triggered inside of you and that's how you respond and then there's some guilt that we don't totally recognize or it's some shame or blame, our three favorites, that come after because we didn't like how it felt when it was done to us and yet here we are doing it again this is how we break some of those cycles this is how we learn to regulate ourselves is we start parenting our children differently and we do it out loud and we do it all the time as much as we can one of the reasons why i always say these things to my girls and over explain myself is because i'm also explaining it to my inner child i'm also explaining it to myself hey little girl in there hey inner self it is okay to have big feelings and cry and if you need to cry it out i'm here for you and i will love you and comfort you and support you through it and it makes me emotional to even say it because i didn't get that and so so many of the things that i didn't get i am giving to my girls and it is healing me while it is giving them what i really wanted and needed So I do have a whole episode that I recorded for this episode, but I think I'm going to share it next because it is a lot of my best practices and things that I have done to get here. But I would say without a doubt, the thing that has helped the most is healing. And the healing didn't happen until the awareness happened. You can't heal what you don't know. You can't heal what you aren't aware of. That's where we start, is becoming aware of when we get triggered and how we react. This one took me 10 years to fix when my kids or anyone was doing something that they shouldn't be doing, like sliding down a railing, okay? Like, it's fun, I get it, but like we have this slope on our stairs and they slide down, right? Or I'll tell them, hey, don't play on that, you might get hurt. Then... They don't stop because they're kids and they do fall and they do get hurt. My old reaction was always first, I told you not to do that. That's why we don't do that. And then it was, are you okay? But the first reaction was always like a, a fault almost. Like my kids would fall and get hurt and I'd be like, that's why we don't do that. Because that's what happened to me. Every time something happened that I shouldn't have been doing or that was blah, 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 or I was told not to do, as soon as something did happen that was said to happen, I was blamed for it. The reaction was always, well, we told you not to do that. That's why we don't do that. And so that's how I started reacting when things like that would happen. It took me 10 years. I have finally broken that habit, and now anytime I hear a loud bang, it's... Are you okay? Or if I see something, oh, I'm sorry. Are you okay? Like I don't question what were you doing, because it doesn't matter. <laughs> they they hurt themselves in some way or whatever. That should be the first response. And so I have changed that. Something that I'm also currently working on, and I will share, is when. Let's say you're going into the bathroom and someone else is coming out, and you both go to reach for the door at the same time. Most people will say, Excuse me. I say, I'm sorry because I've been criticized or blamed or wrong for everything I did. So I'm constantly apologizing instead of simply excusing myself. And I've gotten to the point where. Now I'm I'm sorry. Excuse me. I'm saying both. And the goal is to drop the I'm sorry. And sometimes these things take time and progress. So I'm working on this one skill. This one thing. This much. But that is just something like the I'm sorry was programmed in me somewhere. And it sends this feeling of like you don't apologize if you didn't do something wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. I opened a door. Yesterday I got out of the elevator and someone was like walking in and she said I'm sorry first and I replied, oh, I'm sorry. And then here's what happens. My brain catches it and this is what I like to call the two millimeter shift. My brain will catch it. Wait, we just said I'm sorry. You don't actually have to say you're sorry and now I am practicing the six to one ratio. So I will actually go through on six things that I did well. You smiled when you got off that elevator, you were in a great mood, you recognized that you said you're sorry, you were still acknowledging someone else's existence, like all these things I said, right? And then I was like, but next time, drop the I'm sorry, and let's just go with excuse me because you don't actually have anything to be sorry about. Yes, I have these kind of talks with myself all the time, but you know what? They keep me calm and regulated when my kids are losing their crap. And that is everything. If you can stay calm when they are losing it, you can actually help them. But if you can't regulate when they are unregulated, dysregulated, you're not actually helping them. Even though you're trying, you're probably adding to the chaos. So most of us were not taught how to regulate and handle our emotions. We were taught to go somewhere else hide them inside, internalize them, make them smaller. And so this does require some inner work, right? You've got to figure out where your triggers are and start changing your triggered reactions. And then a two-part to this is you have to change the way you see the world. You have to understand that the way that you do something and I know this is really hard for my ADHDers, my neurospicy individuals, but the way you do something may not be the way they do something. So when you try to show them your way and they won't do it or they can't do it and then you get frustrated and quit, stop taking it personally. That doesn't help either of you. So one thing that I have done when I was trying to think like, okay, so what can I share? Besides the whole episode that I recorded yesterday, which is an hour long, what can I share that can help someone reduce decision-making, frustration, and stress? Because the less triggered we are by our lives, the more emotionally regulated we can be. And so how can we be less triggered by our lives? I have created so many routines, habits, and practices that reduce these things for me. I meal prep because it reduces decision making during the week. If I meal prep on Sunday, or at the very least meal plan and make sure I have all the things for it, taking that time in the weekend when I'm usually in a good state, right, good energy, good state, feeling motivated, then I don't have to make the decision each night for dinner. So think about the the areas in your life that cause you a lot of stress. What are the times of day where you feel emotionally dysregulated? What is happening? What is your environment? Are you making, do you have to make decisions? Like this is huge for ADHDers. The more you can eliminate having to make decisions, the better. This is why I love my at-home workouts. I pick a program, I follow a program schedule. I have to make a decision when I finish a program and start a new one. That's it. But once I pick one, all I have to do is show up and follow the schedule. So I don't have to mentally make a decision or think about what my workout is going to be. I simply show up hit play, and it's like a 30-minute Simon Says, I do what they tell me to do. And that eliminates decision-making. It eliminates mental work for me. For a whole month, I'll do a program for a month, maybe two, the one I'm starting in a week and a half, is 12 weeks. So I will be doing a program for 12 weeks. So for 12 weeks, I don't have to think about my exercise routine. It is planned out for me, and I have a trainer that is going to push me through it. It's helpful. It reduces the stress of it, and then I don't get stressed and frustrated about it, and it's so much easier for me to do it. So if trying to get a workout in is stressful for you, think about that. Is there a schedule you can follow? Is there something you can do? Can you write it out ahead of time, your workouts for the week and alternate them every other week, something like that so you already have a plan in place before you get to the gym, before you go downstairs in your house, before you step foot in your living room, wherever you're working out, you have a plan in place and so you're not just free balling it. You don't have to think about it. It will eliminate excuses. It just makes it easier. Now back to nutrition. If dinner times are hectic and crazy for you always, plan ahead, cook ahead. I have clients that are so crazy busy, like so crazy busy. Hockey moms and a teacher and gymnastic mom, like all the same person, so many things, so many hats. She coaches basketball, like all the things. She plans her meals ahead of time. And if she knows it's a busy week, she will make it ahead of time because she doesn't mess with her food. And it's not just that, but she knows that if she has that busy of a week and that crazy of a week, when it finally comes time to make dinner, if she doesn't have a plan, she's going to be so tired and exhausted, she might not, most likely not, make the best decision for herself at that time. Because at that time, she is so focused on everyone else and their needs, she might put hers last. And when we put ourselves last, we aren't helping our emotional regulation. We aren't helping our children. So creating a morning routine has been incredibly helpful. If you don't have a morning routine, I highly recommend one. It can be 15 minutes. It does not have to be an hour, hour and a half, anything crazy. I love the five minute journal because it is truly five minutes. And it's a morning, each page has a morning segment and an evening segment. And five minutes in the morning, five minutes before bed, you take some time, you set some attention intentions for the day, and it makes such a difference because what you focus on is what your mind will find everywhere. And if you're not focused on how you want your day to go, it's probably going to go like all the other days have gone. Good or bad. (laughs) So keep that in mind. My morning routine has changed throughout the years, but something that I will share that was incredibly helpful is exercise in the morning before I wake up my kids. This is a commitment. I didn't love it. I don't love it. I didn't always work out in the morning i started in 2019 this is in the episode that i'll share but i started with a program that really recommended working out in the morning because it changes your mood because it changes your day and once we started working out in the morning i never went back even now we try to get our workouts in before lunch if they're not first thing in the morning i don't need them in the morning the ways that I used to but for a long time I did I needed that workout first thing in the morning because one it took time for me and that is helpful in so many ways because I can remember being woken up by kids and feeling resentment like when I used to sleep in and I was woken up by my kids and at point you know I New babies, nursing babies, things like that. Like, I haven't always had the willpower or ability to wake up early in the morning. Um, But I have been working on it for a long time. I did The Miracle Morning, which is a great book to help you get a morning routine. I have my cousin is actually setting her alarm back 10 minutes a week. To build up to daylight savings time because it always crushes her, and this year she's planning ahead. It is things like this. Recognize the times during your day and during the year where you have stress, and then ask yourself, how could I make that easier on myself? So if it's dinner time, you're thinking about your meals ahead of time, you're cooking your meals on Sunday night so that you don't have the stress of feeding everyone when you have 25 minutes to get out the door. That's a lot. And you being unregulated sends our children into an unregulated state. The calmer you are, the calmer they are, especially if you have those high energy feeling kids. And I don't mean high energy like a lot of energy. I mean, they can sense other people's energy. And they feel other people's energy. If you have those kind of kids, and if you do, you know you do, you need to be very careful on what kind of energy you are presenting. And I say this because it's all you. It's always you. It starts with you. We can't teach them what we don't know how to do for ourselves. So are you doing the things to be aware, to regulate, to work on these things? Because if you're not, you're just going to keep yelling at your kids. But when you do it differently, when you parent your kids differently, you are also healing parts of yourself. And we do it for the kids, but it's such a bonus for us. So where can you adjust your schedule, create a routine for you and for your kids? We all do better when we have routines in place. Because our brain also knows this is what we do. We turn off the tablets at 7.30, 8 o'clock. We do the hidden picture books. We have a sleepy time gummy. We brush our teeth. Story, bed, snuggles. That's what we do. So it's not, what do you mean it's time for bed? We were just doing this. Like We don't get a lot of the pushback because they already know. They know what's coming. We do the same thing all the time. And those are also, routines are helpful for you too because you do it enough, you know how long it takes. Now we don't have time blindness becoming a factor. And it's easier for you too because you don't have to think of all the things that you need to do. And they're often more regulated. I'm going to wrap this up, I think. But a couple books that I want to recommend, some personal development to help you work on awareness of your brain if you are neurospicy, if you have adhd i really liked the radical guide for women with adhd and your brain's not broken so those are two books radical guide for women with adhd number two is your brain's not broken and then i'm currently listening to a book that i really like it because it is it talks it's like brain talk to me right it explains why and how you do the things you do and helping you do what you want to do. And this can also help with emotion, emotional regulation. So I'm going to suggest this one too, which is Level Up by Rob Dial. So those are my three books that I recommend right now. But if you need to get yourself into some therapy, if you need to do some work, Do it. Do it. I was carrying around a lot of pain that I didn't need to be carrying around. I was functioning based on a lot of rules that don't apply to me, that someone else had said or did or made me feel a certain way, and I took it as a hardline rule. There are so many things that you need to reteach, that you need to unlearn. In this process, but first and foremost, it's probably learning how to handle and regulate your own emotions. And like I said, I think that starts with awareness and where are they coming from. So I will, when when this first started, I don't think I actually finished the story, so I'll finish this. When it first started, the awareness first started hitting, I remember I was sitting on my steps and I went to react by what was said or done to me. And, and then I took a second and I thought in my head, well, okay, we can totally relate to this situation. How did that make me feel? Not good. Okay. We don't want to do that. And then I literally like, was like, all right, what else you got? And I had my brain go through all the different reactions or responses that were in there already, right? That it's seen or heard. And none of them really felt good. So then I said, What would have been helpful? What did I want? And now that's usually how I respond. I think about what I would have wanted someone to do in that situation, and that's what I am. I've already told my kids I'm not here to discipline them or punish them or correct them. There's nothing that they could do that will make me love them any more or any less. And they know that (laughs) my oldest asked me, what about murder? Wouldn't you be mad? And I said, no. My first reaction would be, I have some questions. Are you okay? Do you need any medical attention or whatever? And then I would have some questions like, what happened? Was it an accident? What can I do for you? There wouldn't be anger and she was confused. And I said, you know, we do wrong things, but there's, and we do right things. And there's always a reason. And I'm here for, especially for you. I'm here for your reason. I'm here for your explanation. I'm not here to accuse you what I think you did or didn't do your opinion and your input has an equal seat at the table. I want it always. And I hope that they will feel comfortable always coming to me. I don't want them to be scared to come to me and what's even worse is I don't want them to think that I wouldn't care so they don't even bother because that's how I felt. I was disregarded so many times that when shit really started getting heavy, I thought to myself, no one will believe you or they'll say you're making it all up or you're doing this to yourself or it's all in your head, or you're being dramatic, or it's not a big deal, or something that I'm doing is not right about it. I wanna be my kid's safe space. I wanna be my safe space. And that requires a lot of intentional work and a lot of healing. And that's all I have for you today. I hope this was helpful. Remember to like, subscribe, share, and I did record this live in my free community on Facebook, hashtag hot mess success community, and I will see you next time. Thanks.